Hey listeners, on this month's episode of the Kinky Boys podcast, we are having a topical discussion about police uniforms, their fetishization, uh, especially in our current times. Now, this is a discussion. We are not here to say something is good or bad. We are merely going through the changing context of our world and things to be considered. If you think we've missed anything or have a different point of view, um, we would like to hear it. Um, feel free to write in. Uh, we've got email, Facebook, Twitter, all the normal avenues, because um, we'd love to hear different viewpoints on this. Um, so yeah, before we get on with the interview, uh, I would like to thank our Patreons. So a big thank you to our $5 tier. Uh, that is Ryan Bone. He's a new one. Uh, Demon Boy, Deco Very, Brian C, Harry Hypnotist, and Matthew O'Mara. You guys make this so possible. We've been able to set up our own website because of you guys. We are now fully self-hosted, which means coming down the pipeline, we can do things like video hosting without restrict worrying about falling afoul of stuff like YouTube or Patreon's um, restrictions. I would also like to thank our $1 tier patrons. Thank you so much. You too help out. And as a reward, you get this episode a week early and every episode a week early. If you'd like to sign up to Patreon, we would really appreciate it. It helps us out so much. So with that being said, on with today's episode. The Kinky Boys Podcast. Exploring one kink at a time. Hello. So yes, uh, we're back again this week or month. We are talking about a topic we expect to be controversial. Mahaha. Yes. So we are going to be talking about the politics around um, fetishizing uniforms, particularly police uniforms, in the day and age of Black Lives Matter. Now, okay, okay, let's be clear at the front. We are not saying anyone's kink is bad. You have to stop finding something sexy, like police uniforms. We are not saying anything like that. We are just literally examining the psychology and the politics around it in this day and age. And uh, myself, as, as, as no stranger to controversy around the leather scene, um, like, uh, I, I'm sure that, that people will realize, like, with you as, like, a long-term member, member of the leather scene and myself as a long-term member of the leather scene and former leather title holder, is that we have leather's best interests at heart. We, we are part yes. of the leather community. Yeah. We, we, we care deeply about it. Um, but there, is, there are questions that sometimes need to come up and, and kind of spending some time self-examining and reflecting oh. on what actually is what I'm doing and specifically how I'm doing it at the moment uh, appropriate. Yeah. And it, I, th- I think that's always worth, uh, worth looking at with, with this kind of thing when something comes up where it's like, well, actually, like we've we've reclaimed this but actually has anyone else reclaimed this and if we're engaging in trying to create a uh a, a scene that's welcoming to 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 bame people black black and multi-ethnic people mm-hmm. um like it, it, are, are we doing everything that we can do if if 
suddenly the, the, the cop uniform means a lot more than than the the way it used to back in the 60s when when yeah. the leather scene reclaimed it. it i mean at the end of the day stuff like cop uniforms it's iconography around authority and power and power structures within society and you know that is the bread and butter of fetish but it is mm-hmm. also though by that same token those things can change and take on different meaning and tones um, depending on how society changes. Mm. And it's just always worth keeping that in mind. Yeah, and I think kind of that's a good note to start off on, kind of how society changes, because mm. like we could take something like Nazi uniforms, mm-hmm. which like, I said we were going controversial. Uh, if we start off with kind of using that, that like in the Nazi uniform is something that pretty pretty much universally in society that that is still the fact that I mean there are two aspects of it. One is the fact that kind of that that was so toxic and has had so many uh, so much horrific conflicts associated with it that we as a society have agreed not to engage in it. Um, and, and as a kink scene, and kind of Nazi uniforms are very, very rare. But there's, there's the flip side of things to go, actually, like, in the last five years, it's become even more important because more and more people are starting to wear those uniforms again in earnest. Yeah, it's, it's like, and, I remember growing up in the 90s, you know, where... Like, in comic books and Saturday morning cartoons, Nazis sort of became a sort of default villain. Mm-hmm. And the iconography was almost, like, shown alongside supervillains. Yeah. And, and, and like, it, I mean, even into the the, the, the 2000s, I mean, mm. I always think, like, from, from, from the 60s on to, to the 2000s, like, the Nazis were the foil. They're an easy human target. Like, yeah. if you make a human target, the only way that you can make it acceptable, for instance, in video games, to mm. mow down hundreds of human targets is, you know, uh, if they're Nazis. They're, yeah. they're an easy foil that everyone hates. And in comic books, like having yeah, the supervillain who's trying to build a giant space laser, like he'll always be dressed as a Nazi. Yeah. In a and, Nazi officer's uniform. Yeah, and, and it is that sort of... And by that same token, the what people I find often, when talking to people who have like use nazi uniforms as kink play and they have a fetish for it is the extremely taboo nature of it mm-hmm. it is this symbol of such violence and such taboo in our society and that is at the core of their fetish or they're mm. actually nazis like let's not pretend like there are those assholes that just like stick double s's and everything in their profile and sneak in the word like numbers 88 and 14 like that's a dog whistle for people Mm -hmm. that don't know and like no they are literally just nazis who happen to be gay yeah hashtag representation (laughs) (laughs) but like like you could be whoever you want to be they said to me at school so i'll be a nazi (laughs) who's also gay but no like there is that divide between people who are actually nazis and people who just Mm. fetishize the uniforms because of their taboo Mm. nature 
Yeah, and and uh, I think that that it's it's a long we we, we as a as a gay scene have got a long history of kind of taking mm. uh, imagery from authority and 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 trying to kind of make good on horror. Like yeah. the way that, like, if you read Stone Butch Blues and kind of go back to how it was at Stonewall and like the regular part, what it was like being LGBT at that time and, and being part of the queer scene as it was being raided by police, as women were being routinely raped to try and make them straight, as, as gay men were being like beaten by the police and kind of taking in and, and a lot of the, the, the problems that we're seeing today, that the police hmm. are the same police, <laughs> like that, that they're still just as problematic. And actually the, the way that we responded to that was, to, was to own that police uniform, which is yeah. like, from, from my perspective, like, such a wonderful fuck you to, to to the american police like that american highway cop aesthetic of the langlets um and and the double-breasted jacket mm-hmm. and kind of everything like that and and, and riding boots yeah it's and big boots and the shoulder mm. pads and the quilting for the motorcycles and like this is something that was used to inflict violence and to reclaim that is is it removes the violence from it yeah I mean, gay culture is interesting because it. Most of like gay male culture, is appropriating or remodeling um, iconography of authority and working class masculinity. No, not just that, yeah. but look at drag. Yeah, like feminine femininity of um, yeah of working class culture, skinheads mm. of the police with leather or kind of tradies or like the, the we're playing dress up. Yeah. Like kink is half of kink is dress up and it's fun. But, but like my, my position here, and I think that you'll probably take an, an opposing position in this debate mm-hmm. generally is that my firm belief is police is out. Fireman is in. Oh, Oh, like firemen are so fucking hot. Yeah, and what was it? Like, I saw the other day. It's like, it's not a mailman; it's a rail me man. <laughs> yeah, like public servants and like authority figures can hmm. like we've got authority. Like right now, like the army is fairly detoxified, and 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 as part of kind of preparing for this conversation, I went back and kind of looked at how people were talking about military fetish in the early two thousands. Kind of post that the, the the second Iraq War, like very very unpopular. The military became very very unpopular as kind of viewed as this, uh, the, just the agents of force of the oil industry at the time, and 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 the kind of uh, military people in America were saying that they didn't feel safe being in their fatigues walking around town and it's like that's just a bit weird like why do you need camouflage walking around town but like previously and and again now like America fetishizes the military on a societal level um and and, How am I going to move this on? Uh, yeah, uh, and and now, given given some time, 
actually the military fetish is is as strong as it's ever been. People wear fatigues, people wear boots, mm-hmm. people are, uh, kind of wearing the um, yeah. kind of like if, if, if you're wearing all the gear and engaging with that, and it's fine, and nobody's kind of got any questions about that. And 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 the the point is that that kink is contextual. And and the, when the context changed, the kink kind of needs to change. Yeah. My Would art- anyone from the Victorian era have a fetish for modern police uniforms? <laughs> like, <laughs> probably modern not. They're too busy being obsessive about um, ankles. Mm. But um, it, it, I, I always kind of feel like there, there's a few people who I who I love very very dearly who regularly mm. wear SWAT uniforms. Mm. And 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 right now that is. Uh, very problematic yeah and the the questions haven't had to come up because we're in the middle of a pandemic so therefore kind of like we've not got any events but but actually like would you wear like would you listener listener would you wear a SWAT uniform to a recon party right now (laughs) because when you wear a piece of gear uh it doesn't matter what you feel about that Although, yeah, I mean, that's like how you feel about it is what's your driving force, but it's what you're communicating to the outside world. And my question around this, and like one of my favorite outfits as the Leatherman is like security guard, stroke, young cop kind of mentality, like big aviator shades, baseball Mm -hmm. cap, shirt and tie kind of like leather shirt and tie and jeans and boots and 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 that looks one that i very much kind of carried with me all throughout my my title year uh, and and now i'm kind of feeling like it's not anyone else telling me i shouldn't be wearing it but it it's just a reflective thing to say actually should i be doing this is this is is this something that's particularly appropriate right now it's not to say that in a year's time it, 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 it'll be fine again. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? It might be that the police turn out to be torturing people, in which case, like, hell of a lot less likely to wear it ever again. Yeah, it's... Um, it, I mean, one issue I do find quite interesting... It's not an issue, just an observation is, mm-hmm. like, even in the UK, it's the American police force that is fetishized. That is the uniform look that we get for our leathers or just try and recreate um, in general. Like, you don't get the sort of British bobbies on the beat sort of uniform being fetishized. Can you imagine that? I, Can you imagine the, the hats, having a leather The big hat. giant hats, yes. <laughs> like, uh, and genuinely, I was thinking about this recently. What would a UK cop look like? Well, white cotton shirt. Mm-hmm. You'd have to wear a leather tie. Mm-hmm. And then a waistcoat, because Big stab you, you vest. wear flat. Well, yeah, basically. Mm. Like, what's the closest thing we got to a stab vest in in, in the leather scene? Well, it's a mm. waistcoat, and then you'd wear jeans. And people do that all the time: yeah. white shirt and tie and waistcoat. And, and it, it's like that's a fundamentally, in my in my thoughts, like that's what can be one of my outfits for IML. Like, that's a very British leather look: shirt, yeah. white white shirt and tie. And, and it's, and I do feel maybe that's maybe in part because of how the police forces are perceived and try and act. And let's be clear, the UK police force has a racism problem. 
Mm-hmm. It very much does. And it has abuse of power problems and like like there are fundamental problems with police forces in general about the way they're structured, the way power in society is structured. I'm, I'm going to start talking about Kropotkin, so I'm going to stop there. But uh, <laughs> But the UK model of policing likes to try and at least orient itself around um uh what's the term community uh they say policing by consent that's it is is the term that we use in the uk and and fundamentally i mean the way that the u.s police and the way the uk police are set up is a fundamental difference in the the uk police are civilians they're citizens who have no more powers really like at their at their inception than any other upper middle class person would which is you Mm. can pull up a working class person by the like by the scruff of their neck and send them off to prison if you're a citizen you just (laughs) accuse them of something and then clear them off the off the street um and, and, and yeah, kind of uh, Peel's kind of police force was very much kind of like the, the upper classes, well, upper middle classes regulating the working classes. Yeah, and, um, but and the American police, sorry, as a flip side yeah. to that, are are given power not from the community, like the, the, it, mm. if the UK police lost the faith of their community the community will roll over the top of them which what happened in the Tottenham riots in 2011 um and 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 the police can do fuck all about that like that that, that's why we don't have water cannons like all of all of the lack of armaments Mm. in uk police forces them to do that which is exactly what we want to act as a check and a balance and in america essentially if 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 people don't like the police they'll get shot yeah. Like the police are militarized. Yeah. And, and they start they they take their power from the fe- from the state or the federal state rather than from the people that they yeah. they are, they serve which is why we have the problems that we do. Yeah, the American model of policing is based in authority rather than consent. Um and it's also in British culture and it's not always like this especially for communities of color. But the general pop culture perception of a policeman in British society uh, tends to be more like a community figure, like a postman or a milkman. Mm-hmm. It is the guy doing the rounds. You can chat to them. Like that is the social perception that we have of them. American police are a constant source of authority and machismo in a way British police are not. Which I think mm-hmm. goes to a long way why even in Britain we fetishize the American version. See, uh, 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 d- d- deliver a hot take, a scalding hot take. I actually think it's just wanting to fit in. Like the American guys are the ones that fetishize the police, and like Br- the, the British scene has just kind of followed along with that. And I, I always feel like to some degree it holds back the UK leather scene that we've got so much that America doesn't have. And and actually, just let the American tropes go, yeah. like the whole Langlitz thing. Just like, but, but I mean, we see. But when you look at the people that are the leather social, very few people doing the Langlitz thing these days, and and mm. that's really refreshing to me. It was something that, as a title holder, I stood up on stage to stand for the title and go, "We're more than Langlitz. We have to be more than this." I find that. Very interesting that you're saying that change has taken place because I've had um, American friends talk about how unwelcome they felt at Folsom Europe 
because literally everyone had the Langlitz uniform and they were walking around in leather camo print shorts mm-hmm. and a waistcoat. And because they had this colorful um, out there as an American, <laughs> like yeah. all the European leathermen in the big Langlitz, like full with cigars in the pockets and like that cookie cutter look, like rejected them. Berlin's different, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, when you're in Berlin, this is the thing, mm. like, as well. It's a, it's about kind of knowing your audience. And if you're going to, uh, like, if, in Berlin, like, I, I, I this last Folsom, I basically, like, went around the place on those little powered scooters with the sash on <laughs> like waving at people as i went past like for me it's just an, a way of bringing out that ridiculousness the germans did not like that the guys in berlin did not like that um and and uh, the other title holders absolutely loved it and we ended up going around as a pack on these little <laughs> ridiculous <love> <laughs> it's the, the train of of, uh, of sash queens coming and like it's the thing that like when i look at the london social i mean london's always kind of led the way and uh, well post-brexit maybe less so but mm. i kind of lend that london's traditionally led the way and kind of doing things in a new and and kind of more liberated way um and and, and I, I do feel like the germans guys tend to take things a little bit more seriously than than the, 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 the than the British people, and like it's one of those things. The same with the title holders. We, do, we talk about IML and uh, with with American title holders, and like this is deadly serious in some ways for a lot of them. And for British people, like sash queens are just like throwaway. It's kind of like you, you, okay, yeah. people will give you like people aren't going to take you seriously. They'll glance up from their beer. And you've got about a second and a half to win their, like, win their respect, and and to to, to justify why you're allowed to talk, <laughs> and people that yeah, people like in some ways the sash over here is is a negative rather than a positive, and in America obviously that's different. I guess like a lot of Americans have moved on from the whole Langlet thing, and and a lot of people in. London have moved on from the Langlitz thing, but a lot of people in Europe haven't. Um, yeah, and it's... I mean, a lot of the sort of default leather uniform, even when it's not explicitly taking from, like, police and military uniforms, it's still very modelled around that sort of look. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, and obviously it's sort of become embedded in the culture. And as you say, people are changing. They're becoming a bit more experimental in their leathers. Mm-hmm. But... I do think I think, I think context of the mm. event as well matters because like if you're um like if you're going to Folsom you should like it's like like if you went to a wedding you'd wear a white shirt a tux and a bow tie like you wouldn't turn up in a baseball cap and jeans like there it's kind of knowing when are you dressing up to the nines full fetish you bring your a game to full fetish because the cameras are there honey <laughs> but like and you want some lovely pictures for social media and Raph and way are just dying to oblige okay so i mean i think it's worth saying like 
there has always been an interesting thing in the leather community about symbols of masculinity. This is a topic I love and I, I can talk for ages about it, but it is this thing of we take sort of the most hyper-masculine symbols we can and clothe themselves in us because, mm-hmm. you know, masculinity is a symbol of authority. Um, most guys find masculinity um, either masculinity sexy or increasingly the absence of masculinity sexy. Mm-hmm. Like fetishization of femboys and sort of that dynamic and mm-hmm. and I think it's what am I trying to say here? I think it's gosh. What am I, I think I trying the, to say? The, the 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 with this like LGBT people have always mm. played with societal roles because we are told from a very young age like i feel like i always bring this up but like society likes to tell us what we should and shouldn't be and we are not mm. what society tells us we should be we're queer and we're kicky <laughs> like so so yeah. therefore we are used to bucking what society expects from us and then you get something like kind of where where you can play with a role like lgbt people people are able to pick up and discard identities because that not identities as in your personal documents but like kind of who we are on any given day I, th- I feel like we have much more flexibility to change that we have people doing drag one day and then being a, 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 like a leather man the next day and, and kind of like playing that dress up yeah. And recognizing, like, these are the ones who, who really get that leather is drag. Leather is a form of yeah. drag, which always makes some people quite angry to, to hear me say that. But, but I'm sure true. they'll deal with it. Especially <laughs> yeah. with one of because um, we put on these symbols of masculinity and we do a performative version, which isn't to say the people dressing up aren't masculine. It's mm-hmm. we do a specific type of performative masculinity in them that sort of hollows it out and makes it our own. Mm-hmm. And I always describe this as the difference between masculine and butch in the same mm-hmm. way you have feminine and the f- types of femininity a drag queen performs. They're yep. not the sort of the femininity you see a woman walking down the street doing. Mm-hmm. Just as like men in leather often perform butchness, mm-hmm. which is this queer coded, queerified version of masculinity that takes all the symbols and ramps them up to 11 yep like, that scowling daddy yeah. looking out from underneath his muir cap with a cigar who's glaring at you from the other side of the bar mm-hmm. who, who looks like he wants to kick your head in but is actually trying to be a, like is, is actually trying to flirt with you these are these kind yeah. of symbols of a kind of like i think i think when you're faced with the alternative, which what goes on in the straight world, I mean, I'll take the, the growling daddy any day, like rather than drunk lads trying to chat up girls. Um, yeah. But like, how, how much of that performative aspect? Like, we take a almost like we're, we're 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 dressing ourselves in this masculinity. How much of that is down to a sense of rejection from traditional masculinity? Like because once again, there's that difference between what a woman wears on the street versus drag, versus like guys are just kind of straight men are just kind of bumbling through the world and 
getting married and having kids and then realizing wondering where it all went wrong and uh, and like they don't really kind of suck one of the things that i always kind of noticed generally speaking to to people on the whole like wider in society mm-hmm. it's a lack of reflection compared to the gay scene in that a lot of gay people can tell you oh yeah i feel like this because x y and z happened to me when i was younger and that was really formative for me and these are conversations that straight people don't have we're, yeah. much more, we're, we're almost through the coming out process we're forced to uh, our, our lives become a story that we tell and yeah. so we tell our story when we get to know somebody and uh, coming out is always kind of like a part of that or coming and finding the kink scene is always part of the story that we tell about ourselves and i always feel like i actually like leather and these performative acts are almost a recognition of the story nature of who we are that we can kind of like, Hey, I can put on this leather and I can be somebody. I can adopt this personality. That's nothing like, or is a parody of what I've seen or what I was forced to be when I was pretending to be straight before I come out. Yeah. And it's sort of like you recognize iconography is something you can cloak yourself in and manipulate and sort of embody. And in a way it kind of gets metaphysical because you're talking about the power of symbols and that sort of almost esoteric um, sort of use of divining and um, sort of channeling these ideas bigger than just a human. Mm-hmm. And, and what, I've done, I'm done being all woo now about it. But what I find really interesting mm. is that it's so heavily coded queer. Mm. Like these performative acts and kind of like these, these the, the kind of going into like the woo a little bit, mm. kind of like the these acts are so coded. Nobody sees a leather man, that hyper masculine leather man in full langlets with a cigar and knee high Wescos and a muir cap, like walking down Oxford Street and thinks he's straight. No. Like, like nobody ever has ever come to that that conclusion. So then we have this, uh, like, we, we've managed to take this police uniform and make it queer to the point where it's no longer police. American police don't dress like that anymore. No, no, it's like <laughs> because I mean... it's so gay. I mean, we can't talk about all this stuff without talking about the village people who, you know, their whole thing is sort of embodying gay sort of stereo, not stereotypes, but gay iconography. And, you know, the police guy in that group, you know, it's he's not just a biker cop. He's a biker cop with skin tight jeans and the skin tight shirt open at the chest to show off the chest hair and it the aviator shades. And it's like cops don't dress like that that is what gay men fetishize and have reclaimed and twisted for their own iconography mm-hmm. 
And that's something that, like, some of those have survived past the village mm. people and others of them haven't. Mm. Like, we recognise very early on that it is not cool to dress up as an Indian like that. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't go <laughs> around wearing a ceremonial headdress. Just don't. Yeah. But, like, I mean, he, he, like, he was actually had some claim that he was native Mexican. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he had some claim to it. In that the indigenous population of America spread all the way from Canada down, like it's yeah. not just uh, like all the way through Mexico and so like it's not different people are oppressed by different people. In that obviously, kind of a, we traditionally think of uh, the tribes like the of uh, 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 the the American Plains essentially as the oppressed people because they were the ones being oppressed by white people, but there are a lot yeah. of tribes kind of south of the border who are oppressed by spanish people <laughs> so yeah. i mean yeah but but so there's an interesting history for you there um because i looked it up a while back because mm-hmm. i was like how did he get away with this even then but well, yeah i so, mean share got away with it for a while so although <laughs> isn't share part native american uh, that i couldn't answer yeah. um but yeah, I mean, when when you think about like what the village people were doing, actually, mm. kind of really important to, to kind of go through it. Yeah, you had a cop, you had a like electrician, you had a cowboy, you had Native American, you had uh, a kind of leather guy all the way, like leather daddy, like completely mm. all the way through kind of look, um, and like generic kind of like infrastructure worker kind of look to it as well, and it's like construction workers and police and like these were all when was it well i mean you see baby gays in in plaid shirts all the time but they're not doing construction worker yeah no one's a lumberjack well well i mean what's relevant in i mean we have Mm. chaps yeah we have scally in this country which is like okay so we got the leather guys we got the scally guys Nobody's dressing up as a sailor anymore. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anyone on the kink scene in, in, in a sailor uniform uh, or as a cowboy. But actually, we do see some of these tropes, like skinheads and yeah. uh, and scallies and kind of stuff like that kind of coming up in the kink scene. And, uh, and kind of the village people were quite good at kind of portraying, yeah, the full spread of what was in the kink scene at the time. Yeah, and it's interesting and, bringing up, like, chavs and scallies and skinheads, because those are... The messaging around them is, is they are violent gangs or sections of society. You know, not untrue, because I remember growing up, the chavs were the bullies who terrorised me at school. That, mm-hmm. like... And how much... Scally is reclaiming that power. Mm. Being the, the bully becomes the bully, mm-hmm. and how much of it like that? That what I think is a lot about versus kind of working class guys who've grown up and they were they've always been working class, and this is just an yeah. expression of their sexuality. One of the things that I get pissed off about is the people that are reclaiming it who then mm. like to claim that they're working class. <laughs> it's like, no, you were brought up with a silver spoon in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what poverty is. Shut up. 
I mean, the other day I actually ran across, um, I wish I'd written down the artist's name. Um, this guy who's a lot of his art revolves around fetishizing and drawing scenes like erotic scenes with, um, anti-fascist black block protesters. Yeah. Sort of the face mask and, yep. and eroticizing I've them. Seen it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that someone went to Folsom Berlin. It was a couple had rubber versions of Antifa black block uniforms, complete with the anarchist Antifa flag printed on the chest. And I'm like, yes, this is the kind of fetishization I need. Yeah, fetishize the the, the resistance. Fetishize the postal service. Make anarchism sexy. I thought you were going to go make anarchism great again. No, it's always been great. No, no I am a firm believer in the philosophy of anarcho himboism. <laughs> what? Well, well, like, I feel like what? Nobody, nobody's clever enough to to take a lead role. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's so just milling to... around, just going like, "Oh, what's going on? <laughs> Why is nobody doing anything?" <laughs> <laughs> that's hot for me as a dom like i'd like a colony of boys like that um so yeah. uh, to, to kind of like summarize a little bit i think it's been a really interesting kind of like talking around some of the issues like i never expected to be talking about the village people <laughs> and yeah, talking about it, this it ties into like, yeah exploring this like as i said like i'm in a position where i feel like it's not appropriate for me at this time because i want to be i don't want anyone to have a subconscious reaction to my fetish that is excludes them from the fetish yeah yeah um and i want to if if that means okay i'm going to shake things up a little bit then it gives me an opportunity to explore outside my comfort zone um yeah i mean uh, uh, for me i mean i'm lucky in that regard in that i've not spent thousands of pounds on langlets so yeah uh, the, the current mr leather uk john said to me well you, you've got to understand buster he says um is that when you spent seven thousand pounds on leather when you look in your wardrobe you are, you know already what you're gonna wear <laughs> The leather that's been custom made for you, mm. you're going to wear it. Yeah. And it's like, to a degree, Langlitz, I think most people identify more as biker than motorcycle cop. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, as, as an actual biker, mm. <laughs> I always find that amusing, because like, if you're going to wear, if you can do biker fetish, a lot of people do motocross. Yeah. The, although that's not leather. A lot of the time, that's synthetics and mm. rubber. Um, and but but one piece leather like alpine stars one piece is like you buy one piece of gear and you have your outfit like to oh. turn up for a nightclub in a yeah. white helmet and a white leather outfit like everyone is going to turn their heads if you want to like spend a thousand quid on a bit of gear I remember one of the hottest things I've ever seen. It was actually uh, when I visited Las Vegas and saw the Cirque du Soleil um, Zoomanity, which Mm -hmm. is like their sexy burlesque version. Um, One of the actors had that 
an outfit where it was literally they had taken one of those biker outfits and just cut off and there was nothing but short shorts left <laughs> and that was so hot because he had the motorcycle gloves and boots on as well and it was like oh i like what, what you've done like there. a one piece like everything apart from the the legs no the uh, other way so just... they've taken one of those one piece and just cut it off so it's nothing but a pair of short shorts now okay fine that's, it... yeah, i mean that's hot yeah but I, uh, like, like cutting the arm the idea mm. about cutting the arms as well off so you've got like a like a vest like a leather one piece that's a vest like it's a romper not a romper suit like a <laughs> like a vest and then like almost like a leotard yeah. type thing but <laughs> out of like premium grey cowhide <laughs> that's that, that that's a fetish I could get behind when yeah. I lost some weight maybe try ML. out I mean, it's hard because yeah. I mean, it's hard because leather is such an expensive material, especially like even compared mm-hmm. to rubber, which isn't cheap. So it's harder to experiment and try new things with it. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, when you're spending seven grand on a pair of langlets mm. to spend three hundred quid on a cheap one piece, yeah, actually isn't that much. And yeah, mm. sure, the CE armor in it is terrible, but you're going to take that out anyway. Like the, the 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 leather's still the leather. The leather's still good, providing it fits. Yeah. And like what's always important to us in the leather scene is not are you wearing leather that I approve of, but are you wearing leather that you feel comfortable in? Yeah. You feel like you can express the whole of who you are while wearing this, then you're good by me. And it harm none, do what you will. And we're back to the woo. <laughs> but yes, um, I think. The big takeaway is, like, again, and we're going back to the woo here, it's like, if you cloak yourself and channel, like, these big archetypal things, you have to be wary that they come with strings attached. Mm. And you'll be bringing in whatever societal baggage is around them, and it's not just your fetish. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, just be aware of that. Mm. And it's like I think that's the big takeaway. It's like no one's going to say you can't wear. I mean, we live in the day and age of Twitter. Of course, someone's going to go, "You can't wear this." Yeah, but but they're dicks. Yeah, but you just have to be mindful. With great power comes great yeah. responsibility, and the leather scene is one of the oldest scenes that we have in the gay mm. in in the gay community. And like people look up to the leather scene. People like even though. One second people are like, oh, fetish doesn't belong at Pride. And the next second they're like, oh, it's the Leatherman. And they're chanting our names. And mm, yeah. you know, everyone's really excited about the Leatherman. And it's like, we, we then for have a responsibility to think about our actions and to think about the effects of our actions. Yeah. And, and as I said, like, if it means that for me, like somebody was to see me looking like a cop and was to feel not comfortable about going to a leather event, then I would I, I would not want to wear that. Yeah. But other people will come down with a different a different opinion on that and that's that's fine. The the point is not whether or not you, we have the same opinion, but rather that we have all thought. We yeah. have all reflected on this. Yeah, it, just be mindful. And you know, it's becoming truism, but we live in a society. Just be aware of that fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think this has been a very interesting discussion. Um, but 
yeah, I think it's time to wrap it up here. Well, thank you so much for having me. No, it's been brilliant having you on. It's always a pleasure to be here. Yeah. I dare say I'm kind of taking over your podcast a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's nice to have the company. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I'll leave it there then. Okay, cool. Um, yes, uh, I'll put um everything in the show notes uh if you if people listening to this have thoughts um you can contact us through pretty much every platform facebook twitter email um if you would like to write in about your thoughts on this um we'd be happy to read them and read them out yes yes (laughs) as always um enjoy your kink be mindful of your kink and play safe thank you for listening